At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And with game four of the Stanley Cup final in the books, we bring in former NHL vet Darren Banks. Banksy, as he is known here at Circa, and we react to the Avalanche defeating the Lightning in overtime 3-2 as they take a commanding three games to one series lead. Banksy, what did you think once Tampa took that lead 36 seconds into this game? How did you think the rest of the game was going to play out? Well, the way they were playing, they were dominating the neutral zone, and it was like Colorado could barely get you know past the red line. I'm like, uh-oh, you know, Avalanche are in trouble. Are they going to get any shots in this net? And then finally, you know, they, you know, they get on the power play. And the power play has been incredible for them. I saw a stat that, you know, I think what was it in, in all the home games that Tampa Bay had not allowed an equal strength goal, even strength goal. They only allow power play goals. And, and that was kind of fluky because it goes off of McKinnon's leg and go figure the guy who has the scoring drought breaks the scoring drought by having one go off of his skate. Yeah, I mean, I was like, they pass the puck around, passing around. I'm like, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. And, you know, and even that last, you know, the goal that McKinnon gets, he's actually passing it to him. He's not shooting mm-hmm. it at the net. You know, he's passing it to him for kind of a deflection out in the slot, and it ends up going off the goalie, off McKinnon, and into the net. But, uh, yeah, their powerful has been lethal. And, I mean, what a great hockey game. I mean, if you're, if you're not a hockey fan after watching this, you got you know, there's something wrong here. It's amazing. We had um, two blowouts, one for each team in this series, and now we've had two overtime games. So I would say these teams are very even, but Colorado up three games to one now. This is a mountain that just might be too difficult for Tampa Bay to climb. It might be too big, but, you know, we can't count on Tampa Bay. I mean, they're... uh... They, you know, they know how they know how to get there. They know how to go through this. But three one lead going to, this, you know, into the finals in Colorado. I mean, there are guys that are injured. There are guys that are hurt are coming back and playing and making significant difference in the games. And uh, I mean, that's what you want in the playoffs. You can't you can't have an injury. You can't have an owie or a boo boo. <laughs> you know, play through that. You got you got three months to heal. So you know, you got to give it all. Yeah, we saw uh, Sorelli go out with the injury, but then come back in in the third period. Uh, you mentioned Colorado guys injured and coming back. Kadri comes back from his injury. He winds up scoring the game winner. How impressed were you with his play? He didn't. He played hard, but he didn't do a lot early. I kept watching him to see if I was going to see much out of him. 
So I know he can't shoot the puck, mm. right? So he's trying to make a lot of passes, but what a play he makes on an overtime goal. And the funny part was, I'm looking, and I got another NHL guy sitting me watching a game, and I'm like, well, I guess he made the save because the way he sat there, yeah. no one seemed to know where the puck was. And then even the Colorado players weren't really doing anything. And then I seen Stamkos skate behind, you know, to the crease, put his hand up on top of the net because he sees the puck up there and he kind of trying to shovels it down the bottom. Because <laughs> the referees don't, you see the yeah. referee doesn't make a signal. He tries to shovel it down on the ground. And then, you know, the defenseman tries to slide it underneath of him because no one knew where the puck was. They think maybe it was on top of the net at that point, like stuck on top of the net or something? I think they thought it was under his pad. Oh, and okay. They, you know, when they were waiting for him to get up and the puck would come out, but they, no one knew where the puck was. Mm. But when you see it in slow motion, you see it go right up to the top, yeah. and then it just stays there. So they never see, they didn't know the puck was in that. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought Vasilevsky actually played really well tonight. Um, if you look at the first goal, we talked about it bounces off of McKinnon's uh, escape. The, the second goal was another one that deflected off of someone's leg after he makes the initial save, and then in overtime, he just, you know, thought he had that one. So I thought overall, Vasilevsky actually played a really great game. He played a great game, but in the playoffs, if you don't go to the net, you're not going to score goals, and Colorado's going to the net, and they're making these things happen. And how about Darcy Kemper? I mean, 37 saves, and this he's not known for doing that. This is, I think, with the most shots he's faced uh, in the playoffs here. I mean, Hedman's goal is not a good goal. The no. second, the second goal, soft the backhand, backhand, soft yeah. backhand goal. I'm like, oh god, this guy's gonna let him bad goals, but they're not throwing a lot at him and making him make a real difficult save. Like Vasilevsky's playing, making unbelievable saves and keeping him in the game in overtime. That was all Colorado. There was nothing coming out of out of uh, Tampa Bay. There were you. I was a little disappointed in Steven Stamkos's play. Now I know he blocked a bunch of shots, but. He to me, he has to be more aggressive offensively. One shot on goal in this game from Steven Stamkos is not good enough. Were you a little ticked off by his play? What did you notice from him skating around? I didn't notice him. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was one of the things I didn't notice him a lot. Um, you know, Palat's playing well. Kucherov is Kucherov. He <laughs> he plays his type of hockey, and he's not really going to change with anybody else. But the guy's an amazing with the puck. Uh, they're not getting, you know, they get stuff from Patty Maroon, their third line guys. Yeah, and Sam Close, yeah, you didn't get a lot out of them. It's uh, it's unfortunate. And maybe they're tight checking him, but it gets to the point where I'm not watching him. Mm. I'm just watching the game. And when he doesn't do anything, they're just like, well, you know, they're tight checking him. And, and maybe that's the case. Well, Kel McCarr, the Norris Trophy winner, is the overwhelming favorite to win the Conn Smythe. Talk to me about his game, you know, watching him play. What does he do that makes him so special? Obviously, he wins the award for the best defenseman in the NHL this year. He's so dynamic. His skating ability is unbelievable. It's like when he decides to go that extra gear, he just takes off and he's gone. And it's like McKinnon when he wants to go. But Makar, I mean, he's fast. It's like he doesn't get hit very often. He slides through a lot of checks. But I think it's his skating ability that makes him such a good hockey player. And he moves the puck well. I mean, he just, there's everything this kid can do, and he's so young. You're like, yeah. You're just not expecting that as such a young guy, but it, great for him. I mean, and great for Colorado. Is this like, is he like the new mold of defensemen now in this era of the NHL? I mean, you see guys like Adam Fox as well, who I think is very similar to McCarr. Uh, this is kind of like the new breed of defensemen, especially in a league that is a little less physical than when you played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More than less physical. But he's, I mean, that skating, moving, Shooting defenseman is what I think every team, every league in the team, or every team in the league wants. Uh, you know, I go for Vegas here. 
I would say Theodore. If he was just a little more offensive, because he's got that talent to skate by guys. He's not as fast as McCarr. McCarr is extremely fast, and he's a big kid, and he just goes, and it's like, you know, they just freewheel and kind of do what they want back there, but if you don't get a piece of him, I guess he's just going to keep skating by guys. Yeah, and he's the captain of the power play, so he's just so important to them every time he's on the ice. All right, well, take me inside the mind of John Cooper inside that dressing room with those players going now into game five. You're down three games to one. You're going back to the ball arena in Colorado, a, a, you know, a place where Colorado hasn't lost a lot this season. They haven't lost a lot in the past couple of years. So what do you tell your team? What are those players thinking? What do they have to do? You got to take it shift by shift. You can't worry about winning this game, winning the next game. You've got to, you know, you got to take it shift by shift. Five-minute segments is what some coaches will go by. And it's like, let's win this five minutes. Let's get win this five minutes. I mean, the beginning of the game, they were out shooting Colorado. Yeah. Like crazy. There were like four shots, and they actually took two of the shots away. And, uh, you know, um, they just got to do five-minute segments if they have want any shot at beating Colorado. And you've got to play 60 minutes. You don't play 60 minutes, then, you know, Colorado's going to beat you. I mean, I'm pulling for Colorado young kids. You always want to see a new team win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I know the head coach pretty, you know, I know him pretty good, so I would like to see his team win. You know what's surprising? And I didn't realize this until they mentioned it on the broadcast. He's like, he's the third longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. Yeah, which is crazy. I, did, it, I, I would not have picked, if you asked me who were the longest tenured coaches, I would have given you like Mike Sullivan. I, I would not have given you, I, I, I had no idea. Yeah, he's, I think he's been there seven years. <laughs> and think about that, yeah. like, to be the third longest tenured coach in the NHL, the you way know, the turnovers now. I wish the NHL was more like football. I mean, football coaches, they guys, Tom, Tomlinson, I mean, these guys, they don't win the Super Bowl every year, but they hang on to them and let them build their team and work with their team. Bednar has worked with these guys, some of these guys, you know, young guys, and build them in. I mean, they were a losing team when he first came in the league. Mm. And, you know, he's had these guys, and he's worked with them, and new guys coming in, and, adding to the flavor, and I think maybe should, you know, maybe hockey should learn some things from it. instead of having a guy for two years and going, well, that's enough of that guy, you know. Well, well, we didn't win it all, so let's get rid of him. Look, here in Vegas, this is, what, going to be the sixth season for the Knights, and they've already had three head coaches? Yeah, you know, and you had a guy who's one game away from going to the Stanley Cup final with Gerard Glenn, who was exactly. your head coach, it took you to the final. So, mm-hmm. you know, they. I think sometimes the NHL should listen to the coaches, it's not necessary. The coaches aren't the ones that are playing the game. It's the players. And you've got to work a system and try to figure out how to make those guys go. All right, gut call. Does Colorado win this thing in game five? I think they do. Yeah. I think they're going to. I don't want them to because I want. I got them in game six, but <laughs> I, think, I think they win. I think they win at home. They're going to be pumped up. The crowd's going to be nuts. And they're, they're going to be really excited. And young guys like that, you just kind of, kind of let them go. I think it's... It, you want to win it at home, right? You don't want this thing. They could. They're not going. They're not losing this series. Okay. They're not going to lose the next three straight. But it's going to be so disheartening if they lose Game Five and have to now fly cross country back to Tampa for a Game Six. It's going to be disappointing. I think they. They're. That you almost have to sell out and win this game at home. That's what you want to do. But again, it's you know losing game and then you have to go back to Tampa both teams remember both teams are traveling not like one's going yeah they both go sure, back sure. and you get a little uplift of your home you know your home crowd but i think they win at home and they're i think they're ready and they've, they've they deserve it yeah they've been one of the best teams besides Tampa 
over the last three, four seasons. Thanks. You appreciate the time, man. I'm glad you enjoyed the game. And uh, sorry, you're not going to cash your Avalanche in six, but you will get to Avalanche uh, winning the cup here. Yeah, that'll be great. And McCarr will be the Con Smythe winner. He's former NHL vet Darren Banks. Banksy, as he is known to everyone here at the Circa. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I was on the over in the game and it lost. That makes me now 0 for 4 with totals in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> but at least I hit the avalanche money line. So broke even, a little bit of VIG out. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This segment of the look ahead is brought to you by Zin Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zin Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zin. America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zin.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. So the Avalanche take a commanding three games to one lead over the Lightning with a 3-2 win in overtime. And yet this series has been really even. Even though the Avalanche are up three games to one. I mean, think about it. We had an overtime game in game one. We had a blowout in Colorado's favor in game two. We had a blowout in Tampa's favor in game three. And then the overtime game in game four. And overtime games can really go either way. It's a bounce of the puck here or there is the difference between Colorado winning and Tampa Bay winning. So I don't think this has been like a Colorado buzzsaw that has run through Tampa. I think the Lightning have showed really a championship medal that that it really just goes to show you the experience and how talented this team is, how well coached and how you know well run this organization has been. And the no surprise you know, the back to back Stanley Cup champs. I, I think this series is over. Uh and it's not disrespecting Tampa. I just don't see this Colorado team losing three in a row. Uh, I Maybe Tampa can steal this game 
in Colorado. If Vasilevsky stands on his head, and, and, and that's the thing, as I, you know, think about that for a second. He, I thought he was great in this game. I, I really did. He made 34, 34 saves, I think. And he withstood the Colorado pressure once they were down. Because Tampa, in that first period especially, outshot Colorado. And the ice was really shifted. It was one-sided. And then Colorado comes out, and this thing is, there's a lot of pressure. They get the fluky McKinnon goal that goes off this skate, originally credited to Gabriel Landeskog, corrected, and it, it does go off of McKinnon. And then Victor Hedman scores the soft goal, and it was soft. It was, it was a little backhander. I don't even know if he's trying to score there. It's just like putting it on net, right? The defender's on him. He's just backhanding it and seeing if one of his teammates can clean up the trash. Well, that goes in, and now it's a 2-1 game. And then it was all Colorado. Constant pressure. Lots of shots. And as someone who had Colorado money line, I was very nervous because I didn't think they were going to score on Vasilevsky. It just seemed like he was in good position every time and was up to the task every time. I thought Tampa's defense played well. And it wasn't until Colorado tied the game up on another deflection after Vasilevsky makes the initial save on the uh, Cogliano shot. And then he gets the rebound and kind of pokes it in again. Then I thought, all right. This game is going to overtime. I truly believe that. And if I could have bet it at that point, it's probably a bet I would have made. Because I didn't think Colorado was going to score on Vasilevsky again. And I was really sweating my money line bet when it went into overtime because I trust Vasilevsky more than I trust Kemper. And even though Darcy Kemper played great in this game, he's still the goalie that got pulled in the blowout in game number three, he's still the goalie that gave up the soft backhand goal to Victor Hedman in the second period. And I just felt that if, if, if someone was going to break, it was going to be him. And I was nervous in that overtime. And then, you know, five minutes go by, hanging around. Ten minutes go by, all right. And I started to think, could we be headed for a double overtime situation? Like, could this be a classic Stanley Cup final game? But Kadri gets the break, makes the shot. Everyone's kind of looking around to see what happens. And the puck was clearly in the top of the net as he gets the game winner in overtime. Colorado celebrates. Tampa is dejected. They are going to come out on fire in game number five. And my read on game five is over. And the reason why I feel so strongly about the over in game five on Friday night 
which right now total is they're not going to move it to six and a half. Total is going to be six, especially after this one goes under. Um, so let's get the uh, the exact line right now. Should be six, and the Colorado as a nice favorite of minus one sixty five. I understand the under is a little bit juiced at minus 115. But the reason why I love the over is because it is an elimination game. And if Tampa finds themselves trailing in regulation, the net will be empty for at least three minutes. Maybe four minutes. And even once Colorado, let's say Colorado has a one goal lead and they get an empty netter and it turns into a two goal lead. With your season on the line in an elimination game, you have nothing to lose. You empty the net again. There could be multiple Empty netters in this game. Multiple empty netters in this game. I unless, The only way it doesn't happen is if it goes to overtime. That's the only way it doesn't happen is if it goes to OT. Now, Colorado has played three elimination games in these playoffs. Obviously, you know, in the first round, they beat the Predators five to three. And they were able to get uh, a late goal with about a minute left to push it to a two goal win. Against St. Louis, they only win three two because they got the goal with six seconds left (laughs) in regulation. And then against the Oilers, the game goes into overtime so they only win by one goal. I'm not talking about the totals here. I'm just talking about uh, multi-goal wins. For the um, for the Lightning, they win the elimination game, Game Seven against uh, Toronto, where it's a scoreless third period, and Toronto had massive pressure at the end of that game. Thought they were going to be the ones to tie it. Against the Panthers, they win it 2-0. They do get the empty netter at the end to go 2-0. And against the Rangers, they win 2-1, and there was no um, empty netter in that one. So, Lightning 2-1. But we shouldn't really be worried about the Lightning. I'm worried about the um, Avalanche here, because the Avalanche are the ones that are going to need to score. Tampa is going to be the ones that are going to need to pull the empty net. That's that's the way I'm leaning. I think this is going to be, you're going to get a lot of pressure from Tampa. It's a do or die situation. Your top skaters are probably going to get extended ice time, right? The top line is going to be out there more off, more so because there's no tomorrow. You can worry about the rest if you win the game and go back to Tampa for a game six, then you worry about the rest. But for this one game, you got to do everything in your power 
to win. So you'll have the top lines out for an extended period of time. And if they are trailing at the end of regulation, they will pull the goalie with plenty of time to get not just one, but maybe two empty net goals. So I'm on the over in game number five. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up about 20 minutes or so from now, we're going to get into the NFL with uh, Mike Sando, talk about the latest news with Sean Watson and what's going on around the league. But coming up next, we'll get into Major League Baseball, react to what we saw here on Wednesday's schedule. This is The Look Ahead on BCNV Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I was going to talk Major League Baseball here, but um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff going on Twitter right now about the odds moving for the NBA draft. The NBA draft is coming up here on Thursday night. And according to Caesars Sportsbook right now, Paolo Boncaro, now holds the same odds as Jabari Smith to be selected number one overall. They are both minus 115 up on the Caesar Sportsbook. That is a massive movement from where both players were maybe like an hour ago. And I, I honestly don't know what to think. I mean, we've talked to a bunch of people about this. There's so much steam here on Boncaro. Boncaro, we, we, we had movement, remember, on, on the DraftKings Sportsbook on Saturday, he was 20-1. to 1. And then on Sunday, he was 12-1. to 1. On Monday, he was 4-1. to 1. And now, he's plus 150 to be the first overall selection. Now, does this mean anything? Is there news out there? Or is it liability? Is someone coming in here, and maybe it's because they got information, I don't know, that is um, making a huge bet somewhere on Jabari Smith, I mean, excuse me, on um, Paolo Boncaro to go number one overall. As I'm looking here, man, I'm seeing people tweet about this that the odds have moved so much here. We're going to keep updating DraftKings and see what the latest odds are. But last I checked, it was uh, plus 150 to go number one overall. And Jabari Smith, what was Jabari Smith that, guys? Minus 250. So still a heavy favorite, Jabari Smith, to go number one overall. The um, Orlando Magic have the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Uh 
I placed a small bet on on Boncaro to go uh, number one. I just figured I'm going to follow this theme. I actually, what I did was I, I did a half a unit on Boncaro to go number one, and I also did a half a unit on Boncaro to go number two, thinking that maybe Chet Holmgren's going to fall. All right. All right, here we go. This is at DraftKings. All right, here we go. This is live in real time, people. We now have updated odds. <laughs> Jabari Smith is now, what is he, guys? Minus 150. So from minus 250, about three minutes ago, he is now minus 150. And Jabari Smith, who was plus 150, is now even money. Uh, ba- Paolo Boncaro, who was plus 150, is now even money to be the number one overall pick. Somewhere, someone has placed a massive wager on Boncaro. And Chet Holmgren is now minus 200 to go second overall. Well, what was he? For the second overall pick. All right, I'm being told that Boncaro moved Chet, uh, uh, plus Chet Holmgren minus 200 to go second overall. Jabari Smith plus 170 to go second overall. Paolo plus 400 to go second overall. You see, I, I took a flyer here on Boncaro to go second overall just as a, as a flyer. Just thinking, you know, hey, with all this um, movement here in the odds that maybe uh, – People are interested, and maybe, you know, Holmgren, who has been linked to Oklahoma City this whole time, maybe um, somebody jumps up and gets to number two to take Boncaro, or maybe Oklahoma City throws a curveball and says, hey, we're going to take Boncaro because we're a little concerned about the size of Chet Holmgren. At least I'm concerned with the size of Chet Holmgren. I know a lot of people are... um, are, are confirmed. I mean, are uh, are upset here, man. I, I'm Twitter is a buzz right now with the odds movement of Boncaro. I got one guy tweeting at me: Paolo one, Chet two, Jabari three. Is what he's hearing. Well, I mean, like, what what am I hearing? What are you hearing? What I'm hearing? I'm just trying to follow the tea leaves here. Okay, I can only tell you that right now we have seen the odds completely uh, shift in this market. And right now, we've seen Jabari Smith go from an overwhelming favorite to be number one overall pick to the Orlando Magic. And over the weekend, the steam started coming in on Boncaro. As I mentioned, on the DraftKings Sportsbook, he was plus 2,000 to be number one overall. 20 to 1 on Saturday, 12 to 1 on Sunday, 4 to 1 on Monday, plus 250, I believe, on Tuesday, plus 250 on Wednesday. Now, what is he, guys, the number one overall? Even money? Even money, Paolo Boncaro, to go number one overall. From 20 to 1. On the weekend, to now even money to go number one overall. 
and from Jabari Smith being such an overwhelming favorite to now being down to, what, minus 150? I'm looking at another book here. Jabari Smith minus 140, Boncaro plus 110. So it's kind of like the same thing here. And the number two overall pick, Holmgren minus 210, Jabari plus 170, Boncaro plus 500. Number three overall pick, Jabari Smith 5-1. See, now that's the bet to make. That's the bet to make. Because we'll look to see if we can confirm all that. That's the bet. Jabari Smith to be the third overall pick. Because I think that is where you're going to get the odds because he is such a an overwhelming favorite to go number one that I think taking him now to go third is a huge selection if you think that you're going to get uh, Chet Holmgren to go second overall to Oklahoma City. And so you're going to sit here and you're going to get Boncaro number one, Chet Holmgren number two, and Jabari Smith, number three, to Houston. And honestly, I, I, I can see it happening. And if it, if it goes down that way, like if Paolo goes number one, like Jabari has to go third. Or does Oklahoma City sit there and say, hey, Jabari Smith might be the best player in this draft who we had and everybody had at number one overall. And so does Paolo going number one now screw everything up? And if Paolo goes number one, does Oklahoma City pivot and go to now uh, Jabari Smith to be the second overall pick? And then Chet Holmgren falls to the third overall pick. Again, odds that you can find online right now, number one overall pick, Jabari minus 140, Paolo plus 110 or minus 150, even money. Number two overall pick, Chet Holmgren, minus 210 or minus 200. Jabari, plus 170. Paolo, 5-1. to one. Number three overall pick, Paolo, minus 175. Chet Holmgren, plus 240. Jabari, 5-1. to one. Third overall pick. This is wild. What's Jabari's second overall pick? Is plus 170. All right, so not a great payout. Um, but if he doesn't go number one, could he, uh, in fact go two or slide to number three. I can tell you right now that Twitter is a buzz. There might be some info leaking out. We're do, we'll do our best to gather everything we can, but at least we can tell you that the market is moving. So let us identify the market movement. Check, we did that. Are we following the market movement? Well, that's up to you, the better. But all I can tell you is that there's got to be a reason why a guy who was 20 to 1 to be the number one overall pick just days ago is now even money and essentially as close to a coin flip to be the first overall pick as you can get. We will continue this discussion throughout the program here on vsin coming up next we'll shift gears we're going to get into the nfl with mike sando as we talk about the latest going on in the national football league i'm scott seidenberg this is the look ahead hit me up on twitter at scott's on air s-c-o-t-t-s-o-a-a-i-r
on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on all the movement here in the odds for the NBA draft coming your way on Thursday night. But I want to get into the NFL. We welcome in Mike Sando from The Athletic joining us here on the look ahead. And Mike, you know, the, the big news that was uh, going around the NFL over the past couple of days was Deshaun Watson settling these uh, lawsuits, 20 of the 24. But from what I'm gathering, anything that he settles here doesn't have any impact on any discipline that the NFL could throw his way. Is that correct? Um, I think having settlements makes it easier to move forward in the disciplining process. But I, in fact, I was talking to a GM about this today. I think there's still some expectation that the league could put him on the exempt list mm. and delay the punishment till later. Um, even maybe after the season. So there's an expectation he's going to miss a lot of time, but it is it is a lot of guessing. We don't really know for sure how the league's going to proceed, but given all that's going on with Congress involved, the Washington Commanders, the whole Daniel Snyder fiasco, I think it's safe to say the league, uh, even if it wanted to go lax on Deshaun Watson, which I'm not saying they want to, really can't afford to do that. So I think... Um, Certainly from just a perception standpoint, let alone what's right and wrong, there's got to be something, uh, you know, pretty harsh. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that he plays, uh, especially early on in the season. I don't think he plays week one. Yeah. I, I, I've already bet the Carolina Panthers in that game. Uh, my biggest question, though, is who's going to be at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? And will they make the move to acquire Baker Mayfield from the Cleveland Browns any insight on what's going on with the Browns and their trading uh, or not trading of Baker Mayfield? Well, what do you mean? Who's going to play quarterback for the Browns? No, that, for, was that the no, question? for the Pan for the Panthers. The Panthers oh, are, they want to trade for yeah. Baker Mayfield, but nothing's yeah. been done as of yet. Right, and that's just over the money. I mean, I th I think 
I just can't imagine that somebody would acquire Baker Mayfield and have to pay anything significant on this deal. So uh, I would imagine teams will just wait that out and we'll see if if uh, Mayfield's even released, right? Yeah. Um, I think I, I, I just don't see, even though Carolina, I think, should be a little bit desperate. I mean, is Baker Mayfield the answer to their prayers? Are they a playoff team? Are they going to save Matt Rule's job with Baker Mayfield? I just don't think Baker Mayfield has that kind of appeal right now, even for teams that are desperate. So it probably is a waiting game. Absolutely. Uh, well, he's definitely a step up from Sam Darnold. I can tell you that as a Jets fan. And uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about Sam Darnold's former team, uh, the Jets. You know, Zach Wilson coming into – uh, another season here, and I think the Jets did a really good job in the draft of providing some skill position players to surround him with, guys that I think will have an immediate impact on this team. It is a competitive division, obviously, with the Bills. The Dolphins are better, and the Patriots are still going to be a, a very good team. Do the Jets have a chance to avoid being the fourth-place team in that division this year? <laughs> It's sad that that's the question, isn't it? Uh, in a four-team yeah. division, we're not saying can they win it. Sure, they, there's a chance that they won't be the last team in, uh, uh, in the division, but it's a big hill to climb with certainly Buffalo at the top. We we figure the Patriots are probably going to at least be, you know, what? They're going to win seven games at least, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe more, but we put them in for that. And I think Miami's sufficiently improved. So I... To me, the Jets are the fourth team in it. I'm not overly excited about where they're at. I'm not sure what they're going to get from Zach Wilson, especially in year two, even though it does look better around him. It still looks like an uphill fight to me where they probably are the fourth team in that division. But from where they've been, uh, to me, you can still make progress, right, from where they've been because of how low they've been. How high are you on the Dolphins this year? You know, Tyreek Hill says that uh, he, he's, he speaks glowingly about Tua, yeah. and he might be the uh, only one that speaks that highly about yeah. Tua, but what are your thoughts about the Dolphins? Yeah, like, like I feel they're better, you know, uh, but I think a couple of things. One, the coach that they lost, Brian Flores, did have good defenses, and really the only times they've won there in the last few years is when the defense and special teams played great. So is the defense going to be quite as good? Probably not. I think the offense does get better. Certainly the talent's better. I think the scheme can help them. They haven't really had a lot of direction on offense there, the coordinator situation. Obviously, the offensive line's been bad. They haven't really had uh, much of a run game to help out uh, Tua. So I do think the infrastructure around Tua is better. I think they could make strides, uh, you know, or at least be competitive. But I don't really see them being way better than last year, and I think the quarterback's going to limit them ultimately. Even if they patch it up around them, I just don't think that that Tua uh, has a high enough ceiling, mm. um, just physically and overall at the position, for them to truly contend and certainly to, to pass Buffalo in that division. I want to stick in Florida and talk about the Jaguars. Uh, what do you expect to see from them and Trevor Lawrence here in year two? Yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence to me was certainly came in with a lot of fanfare, but I don't. Maybe it was the Urban Meyer effect. I just didn't see the the sort of the wow moments you'd hope to see even in a down year. So I do think they'll be better. The culture is going to be way better. They they're young. Uh, I certainly 
am interested in seeing what Doug Peterson's going to do. I think they're going to get better. Uh, but I'm not as excited about Trevor Lawrence as I hope that I would have been mm. maybe going into last year. So we'll see. Maybe it, maybe it was just like I said, it was, a, it was a bad year for reasons that had nothing to do with him. And maybe that's unfair to, to, to measure him in that. Or, or off of that at all. Maybe we just give them a pass, but um, I think they're going to be better. Just maybe want to see more from him this year and in just terms of sort of the wild plays and, hey, that's the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about a bet that I placed, uh, and it's about the comeback player of the year market. Now, I'm not buying in on, you know, um, Derek Henry because he, he came back last year. So you can't be the <laughs> comeback player of the year when, yeah. when you came back last year. Yeah, uh, the, the guy I'm going for is uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones at eight to one. Uh, I look at Brian Dayball and everything that he did with Josh Allen, and I do think that Daniel Jones has a similar skill set. I mean, he can do some of the things that Josh Allen can do as far as you know running the football and whatnot. I just love the hire. I think having, you know, Saquon back healthy and some additions to the offensive line, I think the Giants are poised to have a, a better season than last year. And I think Daniel Jones, who has shown that he could put up good numbers in his career, playing for his future, I think is going to have a big season. What do you think? Um, I think he's going to be better. I love Dayball. I think Dayball's a great uh, offensive coach there and will help him. I'm just not a hundred percent sure that I mean, I'm really doubt that he's going to, uh, I think they're going to be in the market for quarterback in a year, put it that way. I think there's a reason they didn't pick up the option. So I'm a little bit less excited. It might not be a bad bet. I think there's some, you know, some of the, some of the favorites certainly are favorites for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a really good player. He's a great player when he plays. So it would be much easier to see somebody like that coming back and playing great. But if you're going for a little bit of a longer shot, like you said, eight to one, it's not a bad one because you're betting on Dayball, right? If it was, mm-hmm. if it was a safe bet, then it wouldn't be eight to one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I sort I like your thinking on that. At least you, you have, uh, you know, a logical basis for it, even if maybe I'm a little bit less, less optimistic on Daniel Jones, just as a quarterback being able to be lifted up that much, but you know, suddenly they're a team that, you know, could be better at offensive tackle, right? And certainly in the coaching and all of that. Uh, but to me, they just feel like they're building for the long term and that uh, there'll be a different quarterback in there in, in another year. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and and I think we can all agree that drafting Saquon second overall was not the right move uh, for Dave Gettleman to make. And uh, <laughs> the Giants are, are uh, you know, they're, they're playing it out. They're playing it out, Mike. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Uh, and we'll continue following along in the athletic, on The Athletic. Hey, thank you so much. There he is, Mike Sando. Check him out on Twitter, at SandoNFL. Does a tremendous job. Also, uh, he's a Hall of Fame selector as well. So I know he's um, doing some stuff here um, for in, you know with the Hall of Fame voting process and whatnot. Uh, there was sad news in the NFL. Tony Saragusa, um, you know, uh, lineman for the... Uh, Tampa, uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, passed away at the age of 55. A guy that you know I've met several times uh, in New Jersey, owned a restaurant that uh, went to several times in Jersey, and, and the football world uh, definitely miss uh, will miss the Goose, who uh, did a great job on Fox as well as a broadcaster. So uh, rest in peace, Tony Syracuse. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.